Hello, I'm Claire White, and joining me is Kyle Willoughby. Hello. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you, Claire. I'm so happy to be back, and James is back in that corner we keep him in oh, where he's supposed to be. so right. <laughs> we are Dragon Sexy Robots and Adventures, a nerd manual. We're here to talk about new nerd creations, how they were made, and explore the roots of the characters and the stories. And today, we have a very special episode for you. We are talking about... New York Comic Con. NYCC, baby. 2018. 2018. So New York Comic Con just ended and we spent three days there. Uh, NYCC is a gathering of people from across all walks of nerdy life and has areas and talks and panels and autographs from multiple different fandoms. It is also a place for content creators to showcase new shows, books, movies, and their own nerdy genres directly to the fans that are looking for them and hungry and ready to eat them up, of which we are too. Um, And it is a magical place of dress up and make believe and where dreams come true. Provided your dreams are to meet Laura Bailey from Critical Role or to hear N.K. Jemisin talk about wokeness in science fiction and fantasy. Uh, Anyway, Claire and I saw some great things over this weekend, and we wanted to recap some of it and discuss some future episodes of things we did see at Comic-Con. Exactly. For those of you who want to hear about the history of cons and what it takes to make New York Comic-Con, don't worry. We did do an episode about that, episode 19, that we recorded almost exactly two years ago when we attended my first Comic-Con and Kyle's first Big con? It was my first Comic-Con. It was your first con in general because I had been to anime conventions prior to going to New York Comic-Con two years ago for the first time. So now as seasoned pros. Very seasoned. Very professional. We want to take what we saw at Comic-Con and kind of relate it to what we're going to be doing in the future and the direction that we want to take, Dragon, Sexy Robots, and Adventures. We're going to start off by discussing what we saw and what we're excited to talk about, you know, over the course of the next year. Yeah, with our show. And um, our experience a little bit at Comic-Con. And then we're going to talk about some things we're going to maybe change up about DSRA, which I'm really excited about. Me too. So, Kyle, let's talk about what we saw. Well, we saw the Dragon Prince. That was one of the first panels uh, that we attended at Comic-Con. And when I say we, I mean you and James. (laughs) I was at work. (laughs) Um, So for those of you who don't know, The Dragon Prince is an animated show on Netflix, and it's made by the creators of Avatar, The Last Airbender, which is one of Claire's favorite shows of all time. You love it, too. I love it. Oh, of course I love it. It's it's great. Um, And and we're going to be doing an episode on that in the fairly near future, the next couple months, I think, is what we have marked on the calendar. But Claire, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you saw on that panel and why you're so excited to do The Dragon Prince as an episode for our show. So just real fast, The Dragon Prince is a new Netflix animated series created by Aaron Ehaz and Justin Richmond. Yes, Uh, yes. And it is about a world of humans and elves and dragons and conflicts between the races and how they came about and how they can lead to to generational conflicts with, this is for children, by the way, (laughs) and adults, but it's with G-bend to it. Yeah. Um, And what I took away from it was the excitement about the Dragon Prince. Now, I have seen the first episode and I've kind of been saving the rest to binge, also knowing that we're going to do an episode about it. Yeah. And the amount of cosplay for the Dragon Prince that was already in the room was... Kind of spoke to it. (laughs) Yes. was really exciting to see um, and the enthusiasm that people had for it. Also, I um, really appreciated how the creators 
talked a lot about making sure that they are representing all different types of people and that if you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, um, they do represent a wide range of people and that that was important to them in this series as well. Definitely. I also, I mean, I haven't seen any Dragon Prince yet and I missed the panel, <laughs> but hearing you just talk about how it's about generational conflicts between elves and humans and there's magic, it's like... God, what's not to like? Like, it sounds really cool and exciting. <laughs> it's coming um, from people who do, I guess, a dragon, sexy robots and adventure show. I know. It's right up our alley. Oh, my goodness. Made by one of the people who made one of my favorite TV shows yeah. ever, which no, also has a G-bend to it. That's true. That's the thing about Avatar The Last Band- Airbender. I was going to say, when you mentioned the Dragon Prince is, is G, Avatar The Last Airbender was G, rated G. You know, it was for kids, but it was a very adult-themed show in a lot of right. ways, and adults could get a lot from it. They did touch on that, how they, you know, they got pushback saying that, oh, maybe this is too dark for kids. And then them having to think it over and can kids handle this? And, oh, we want to pose difficult questions. Yeah. And, you know, how situations don't always work out. Yeah. Right? And and that's really similar to what James and I talked about in the Miyazaki episode, mm-hmm. where those are movies for kids and kids do respond to those kinds of questions. Kyle, you want to take us to the next panel that I didn't go to? Yes. Well, Claire, we're probably not doing an episode on this, sadly, but maybe I'll convince you and James to do one <laughs> like I did for Ash vs. Evil Dead. Which I'll, I have always appreciated. I'll guilt you into this. But I did go to a panel by myself because James and Claire uh, were, it was towards the end of the day of Friday, and I'd, I'd gotten there late because I was working. Um, and I love this show. It's called The Venture Brothers. The two creators of the Venture Brothers, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer, were there. And if you're a fan of the Venture Brothers, it was a really uh, wonderful experience to be in a room with them and and hear them field questions and talk a little bit about their show. And for those of you who don't know, um, the Venture Brothers is a pretty old show. It's from 2003, which is was when it first aired, and it's 2018 now, and they're starting their seventh season. So they've taken some breaks and some things have happened. It's an animated show, um, and it kind of starts as a farcical satire on Johnny Quest, which was an old adventure cartoon from the uh, 60s and 70s. But it, it expands upon that. You know, it goes into more of a farcical satire of tons of other things, you know, superheroes, comics, uh, science fiction. It's a it's a farcical satire of the things that we love. But Kyle references it all the time. I, I haven't seen it, but I feel like I know it because it's always being brought up to me. It's it's a it's a really wonderful show. And a kind of tragic thing happened, not even a kind of tragic thing, a actual tragic thing happened to Doc Hammer, who was one of the creators about five, six months ago. He was in an accident and he is paralyzed from the waist down. So he came out onto stage in a wheelchair and there was this thought like, oh, is this is this going to be like a really like kind of sad morning time because this was a very recent accident for him. But he was just in such high spirits and he was super silly and super fun. And the way you talked about this panel, it was made a party. Me wish I had gone. It was a party. It was just a, a crazy fun party of these two two really like loving uh, uh, animators. And that's what they do. They animate the show and they also do pretty much all the voices of all the characters on the show, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public. There's only a couple actual voice actors who they bring in to do voices. Otherwise, it's very South Park-esque in that way that, that these two are, are are doing a lot of voices. What did you and take away really from silly. it? And they're all really silly. What did I take away from it? I took away from it that you can be in a car accident and be paralyzed from the waist down and have your life totally changed and still approach 
you know, your work and your life in, in this happy, loving way. Because that's kind of what I got from Doc Hammer, the creator. That's so optimistic. I know. It was it was pretty magical. Um, so, Claire, what's another panel that we did this weekend? This we will definitely be talking about next year. Uh, a little TV show called Good Omens, based on the book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Yes! <laughs> Kyle's so, so excited. Happy. It's these this angel who's left on earth and this demon who is left on earth at the at the beginning of time and they be, because they're the only ones of their ilk there on earth they're supposed to be kind of working against each other but over time they're so far away from their quote bosses <laughs> that they kind of find more in common with each other and they become friends and when it's time for biblical armageddon to happen they are like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to have to go back to live in hell forever. And the angel's like, I don't want to have to go back to live in heaven forever. This world is so much better. Um, and it's a, it's a wacky hijinks ensue. And it's got a great cast and a great a Yeah, great, this was uh, the most writer. star-studded panel yeah. we went to. We were worried we weren't going to get in. Yeah, which, um, no problem. Yeah, the Hulu no problem Theater at Madison Square Garden has plenty of room. Neil Gaiman, David Tennant, Douglas McKinnon, who's the director, Michael Sheen, Miranda Richardson, and John Hamm. John Hamm. And Whoopi Goldberg uh, was the moderator. Was the moderator. Um, it looks really good. Also, Neil Gaiman talked about how Terry Pratchett, who he co-wrote the book with, really wanted to see Good Omens made into, adapted for a movie or TV show because he felt like he didn't have much time yet and had approached Neil and said, hey, can we do this because I want to see it. And they had agreed to do it. Neil Gaiman had written the pilot and then Terry Pratchett died. Yeah. um, Unexpectedly. And when Neil Gaiman talked about this, he got emotional. And so what I got the sense of, and you can correct me on this, but that Neil Gaiman was on set for this. Neil Gaiman is still editing this project. That this is actually a personal thing for him. Yes. He is doing it as a promise to a friend. To a, to a, a, a friend who passed away. Yeah, I think yeah. you're exactly right. So, I mean, because there's been other Neil Gaiman adaptations. You know, there was that Stardust movie. American there was American Gods. Gods, of course, which, you know, he approves and he says it's okay, but he's not directly involved in most of the time. Mm-hmm. With Good Omens, it is something that he has written that he's working with the director in the editing room with. Like, it really, truly is a Neil Gaiman project in the, a true sense of the word. And it's he's doing it, like you said, because his one of his best friends passed away, and this was kind of a dying request, and it's really sad. But I also think, you know, it's in the right hands because it is in Neil Gaiman's hands. Um, and he's, he's, he's taking the proper care with it. I think it's going to be really good. It's coming out on Amazon. It's going to mm-hmm. be a six-episode series. And that's it. And that's it. Just one. one Neil Gaiman's season. doing one. <laughs> I know. That's, that's all. You know, I'll get this done. You know, my my burden will be fulfilled and yeah. he'll go back to so writing books. That is something that I am very excited to see. Definitely. It's uh, got a great cast, too. Yeah. Oh, I feel like Neil Gaiman gets his pick of whoever he wants. Whoever he wants to work with. People yeah. in the cast were talking about how they are all fans of Neil Gaiman. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, one of the questions uh, from the audience was, what's your favorite Neil Gaiman work? And For the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah. and everyone has an answer because yeah. he's so prolific. Yeah. Kyle, next panel? All right. Well, one of the next big things that we did, and this was uh, our our Comic-Con technically started on Friday, but it sort of started on Thursday because Thursday night in New York City, a little thing called Critical Role Live was happening. And for those of you who don't know, Critical Role is a Dungeons & Dragons show. You get to watch Dungeons and Dragons, which Being is played. Yes. It is a tabletop role playing game, probably the most 
famous. It's very famous role playing yeah. game, and yeah. essentially. In the game, there is a dungeon master, DM, or narrator. Yeah. And the narrator describes to you what is going on in this particular world that they've created that you're inhibiting. And then you, as a character, get to say, well, I want to do this. And then the dungeon master will then describe to you what you're doing, what you want to do looks like. And you roll some dice in there to see if you're successful or not If you can accomplish successful. what you set out to do. So anyway, Critical Role is uh, a group of people who are mostly voice actors and anime and some video games who play D&D and it's filmed and it's, it's a, a Twitch stream, which is uh, originally where it started, but you can also watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it in podcast form. But it's kind of an adventure story. Right, and I think... Th- uh, Critical Role has actually helped popularize Dungeons and & Dragons and make it more mainstream. Yeah, I think so as well. Critical Role stuff was a big part of our Comic-Con Right, experience. we're huge fans. We are very huge fans of Critical Role. You know, we paid money to see them play it live. Um, it's one of the nerdiest things I have ever done. It is probably the nerdiest thing I have ever done, I think. <laughs> and I've dressed up as an anime character at Otakon. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Critical Role uh, consists of Matthew Mercer as the Dungeon Master. So he's the referee of the game, Mm -hmm. and he's kind of narrating and telling the story. And he's done oodles and oodles of voice acting. So he kind of runs the game. And the players in the game are Marisha Ray, Liam O'Brien, Laura Bailey, Travis Willingham, Sam Regal, and Taliesin Jaffe, along with Ashley Johnson sometimes. She's in and out. Um, But we got to, you know, we got to see their live show on Thursday. We also got to go to their panel, their Comic-Con panel on Sunday, where the cast was taking answers from the audience, or questions from the audience about characters, things in the story, how the game is set up, and things that Matt Mercer, the Dungeon Master, you know, wishes he could do, or, or, or you know, kind of his process behind some of building this world. And it was just really, really fun and interesting, and we love Critical Role, and we're, we want to do a Dungeons & Dragons episode yeah, in the future. In the future. So it was definitely something that we went to. Also, how popular open. it was. That was huge, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always known about D&D, and I think it has gotten more popular uh, with the help of Critical Role and just the internet making everything more accessible. Um, but it was this mania around Critical Role wasn't was something fierce. I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, was I don't know why. I don't know why I should have. It um, was pretty serious. And just, you know, even at Comic-Con, when we went to, you know, you could go to vendor to vend, vendors, vendors, and how <laughs> every D and D dice vendor, it yeah. was hard to get a spot. Yeah, there's to so, go check out the dice to go check out Dungeons and Dragons dice because it was, the tables there were packed, and a lot of people packing those tables were wearing Critical Role oh, shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Or were dressed as critical role characters. Also, a panel that we wanted to go to was Dungeons and Dragons Art and Arcana, A Visual History, which is a book that's coming out. But we couldn't get in because it was so popular. Yeah. And that was the only panel we couldn't get into. We got into the Neil Gaiman yeah. panel, but we did not get into we, the we Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons panel. panel. Granted, the Dungeons and Dragons panel was in a much smaller space. But it was still really popular. It was super crowded. Yeah, which I was surprised. Surprised by, I, but again, maybe I shouldn't have been. Yeah, because it is getting it is getting much bigger, and Critical Role is a big part of that of how Dungeons and Dragons is expanding into the zeitgeist. And then we also went to a bunch of book panels. We did. I'm a sucker 
for any panel about fantasy and science fiction. We went to Tor Presents Hashtag Fearless Women, Tor being the science fiction and fantasy publisher. Uh, we also went to WNDB Presents Does Your Fantasy or Science Fiction World Have to Be Woke? Yes. And then we also went to America's Best Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers, which was talking about the best American science fiction and fantasy series, which is a showcase of the country's finest writers in the genre of short stories that the editor, John Joseph Adams, and the guest editor, N.K. Jemison, have compilated. Yes, and N.K. Jemison was actually in a couple of those panels that you just mentioned. Oh, it was so exciting, especially because we covered the Broken Earth trilogy last year. I'm reading her 100,000 Kingdoms book right now. The fifth season was probably the best book I read last year. I thought it was just phenomenal. It's like one of of two. Right, and to get to actually hear her talk at a panel. and see her was very cool. Some other authors that were exciting to see, there were multiple panels, and there were great authors. We just don't want to bucket list. Laundry list list of authors. Laundry list, all of them. (laughs) Charlie Jane Anders was very exciting. And V.E. Schwab. Who's you're a big fan of. I've actually never read any of her. Oh, yeah. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. And so it was interesting to look at reoccurring themes in these. Because these are also people who I think are at the forefront of the science fiction and fantasy genre. These are people who are being nominated and winning Hugo Awards. Yeah. And are enjoying success. and And editors who are choosing who gets to be in the best American fantasy and science fiction anthology every year. Yeah. And it's a lot of these same writers. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you have any thoughts on them, Kyle? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's funny. We went to three of these different science fiction uh, fantasy panels. There were some overlap with authors there. Like we mentioned, N.K. Jemison was in a couple. V. Schwab was in a couple. But there were some common themes that were kind of strung throughout Right. Uh, all three of those panels. And part of that might be that, you know, it's authors talking about their process and their work and what gets them to write. And, but they also talked a lot about, you know, feeling the times now and political anxiety that's being channeled into their writings right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of a, a modern fear and the weird kind of satirical time that we live in and putting that into their writings and their books. Yeah. I mean, we talk about how science fiction writers, I think especially, tend to always be commenting on what is happening in the moment, you know, whether it be in the Soviet Union, where the way that they can talk about what's going on politically is through science fiction, or, you know, H.G. Wells talking about colonization through the lens of science fiction. Yeah, yeah. And so they are dealing with current political climate. Yeah, which is a little scary. Their fears in their writing. You know, we wanted to discuss themes at Comic-Con. I mean, this even came up in The Dragon Prince, how it was very important to them to represent everyone. Yeah, and that's a, a lot of these book con or, or, or these book panels were about representation in science fiction. And these authors are, are pushing more towards that, whether it's queer representation or black representation or or trans representation, that that's something that we're, you know, we're starting to see more and that these authors are the ones who are, who are writing about that and putting it out there and writing it well. And I think it was V.E. Schwab who talked a bit about world building in science fiction and fantasy and that when you're building this fantastical world, be it in the future or a mythical past, as you're building it, you're building the power structure of this world. Um, and as you're creating this power structure, it kind of helps you to see and, and recognize more the power structure that we have in our own world. 
and that in building this power structure in this fantastical world, you're able to take characters, people who in our world are very marginalized or sidelined, and in your fantastical world, you're able to put their, them and their stories really at the center. Yeah. And, and that was a reoccurring theme yeah, in definitely. many of the panels. And I think the reason that we wanted to talk about this theme, you know, and highlight it especially, was because on this podcast we do strive to look at what is at the forefront of the genre and, you know, examine how we got there. But I think it's a really exciting thing that we do to see, like, oh, this is what is happening and what is trending in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And I think going to all those different panels and kind of hearing that over and over again makes me excited to kind of delve into it next year. Definitely. Me too. Um, And how we've gotten here and what are the steps that we're taking. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any other thoughts on Comic-Con in general, Kyle? Just that it was wonderful, and I feel a little hungover and sad that it's over now. <laughs> you you had mentioned this, Claire, that, you know, there is this thing about, like, oh, some nerds are, are, can be jerks, especially if you're a woman or you're a person of color, and, you know, they don't want you in their, in, quote, their space or their fandom. Right. But I thought it was it felt just really accepting and really happy there. Oh, I know. Even the people working the con yeah. were lovely. Yeah. It didn't seem to have that kind of dark side of nerddom. I never felt like I was being pushed out of rooms because I didn't know everything. Yeah. I mean, we haven't finished Critical Role. And on the train ride home, we talked to someone who had. And he seemed very happy to explain to us what was going on. And even though we weren't complete you know completionist we hadn't yeah. seen it all it was this excitement of sharing it of, with us of talking about oh i can't wait for you to get to this part mm-hmm. oh you know like yeah it was it was and that really was nice. kind of the the to me the vibe throughout comic-con yeah i agree and it, it was lovely and it, it makes me happy to be in a small way a part of this community yeah and you know even just talking to vendors they all seemed really happy to talk about their wares and then to geek out about their Other favorite things. video games with yeah, you definitely but yeah, it was exciting and wonderful, and I really liked it. And I recommend if there's a Comic-Con in your city to check it out. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. I think just to interact with other people who are excited about the same things you are. Yes. Now, we've been teasing this the whole episode. We do want to talk about a change in formula. Yes. That we're going to be implementing here on Dragon Sexy Robots and Adventures, a nerd manual. Don't worry, Mommy and Daddy aren't getting divorced or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, his and hers. <laughs> no, yeah, no, uh, we'll split the kids on weekends. No, we'll split the topics on weekends. We'll split the topics on weekends. No, uh, yeah, we want to make some some changes to DSRA, and we're pretty excited about it. So as you know, if you've listened to any of our episodes, we delve into the history behind our favorite nerd creations. And the production. And the production. The thing is, we always feel like we're never able to go as in-depth as we want to. Yes. Especially when we're talking about the earlier works that have led to the current work that we're discussing. So what we want to try out is first dissecting an early work of, you know, said topic. And I'm going to use our, you know, upcoming month as an example. So our first episode is going to be on Frankenstein. Yes, our Um, first to try it. Which is, is arguably, are argued in many circles to be the first work of science fiction. And then, two weeks later, we're actually going to discuss Jurassic Park, which we think is a modern take on the Frankenstein theme, which is still being made today. Yeah. 
And we believe that it'll actually be more fun for us and hopefully for you to be able to follow the thread from Frankenstein to Jurassic Park and how we are exploring these creationalist themes in 2018 versus how Mary Shelley was exploring it in the 1800s. In 1820. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about this uh, because we'll get to delve into more of the of the roots of the genres and stuff that we talk about. So a lot of times, you know, we'll be discussing something modern and we'll get to mention where it comes from, but we won't really get to go in depth into, you know, the origins of fantasy, you know, say Beowulf or something in a way that we'd like to. And I think it could be really interesting and a lot of fun to link the past and the present. And so that being said, we're going to also be doing our episodes in pairs now. So they'll they'll kind of function as a part one and a part two. And I am really excited to explore earlier works. Yes, me too. I can't wait. Because I, I've always felt that that's lacking in yeah. just my nerd vocabulary. And not that you even need it. You don't at all. But because we discuss so much of it, now I yeah. really am going to go back and explore, you know, Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, I think we we both got a taste of, of doing some older stuff every time we did a birthday episode. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. fun. For, even for me to go back, I'd never read Robert Louis Stevenson before. Right. And then I got to. And I was like, well, this is just great. And then how much it comes into the cultural zeitgeist yes. and how much it affects everything else. It, yes. We're excited. We hope, we hope you're, you're excited. excited. <laughs> and we're going to start in two weeks on Frankenstein. Thank you all so much for listening. Once again, I'm Claire White. And I'm Kyle Willoughby. And we are Dragon Sexy Robots and Adventures, a Nerd Manual. Feel free to contact us on our website at dsrapodcast.com. We would love it if you could rate and review us on iTunes. You can find the show on Twitter at dsrapodcast where I posted a ton of our Comic-Con pictures and some of the most amazing cosplay. I know, one of those really amazing cosplays you posted was this really handsome guy dressed as Nathan Drake. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Heartthrob. Heartthrob, man. <laughs> it was crazy. I, I, oh. You know, you can find him on Twitter at Klex303. Is that where you can yeah, find him? Yeah, K-L-E-X-303. Oh, wow. You should follow him. He's, he posts a lot of fun things. I can be found at along with Claire. That's C-L-A-I-R-E. And you can find our producer, James, at James Foey Jr. That's F-O-U-H-E-Y-J-R. You can learn more about Comic-Con. I'm going to post some of the articles that we used actually in our old episode. Yeah, there's on, some great stuff um, in On the there. Facebook and Twitter page yeah. next week. And I'll also do some lead-in to our Frankenstein episode, Ooh, you know, just yeah. to get y'all prime, warmed up. Prime the pump. Our hashtag fearless producer is James Foey. Our logo was done by the very woke Patty Highland. And our theme was composed by D&D connoisseur Pete Rowan. He's not woke, though. He's asleep. Once again, this is Dragons, Sexy Robots and Adventures, a Nerd Manual. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in two weeks.